0: Help for HD Live is going on air in five, four, three, two.
1: Hello everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This program is made possible because of Teva Pharmaceuticals, Neurocrim Biosciences, and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today I have the lovely Dina D'Souza on with me. Um, I met Dina when I was in Belgium. She is part of the HD Community Advisory Board, as well as a person who is a fe- affected by HD personally and has an amazing story. And I am so excited to have her on today. Dina, Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you Lauren for asking me. This is so exciting. Uh, I always always love to share my story.
1: And you have an amazing story. So, I'm going to let you share it. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and your HD story and what you're dealing with.
2: Uh so, uh I was actually born in Lisbon, Portugal, but uh my parents immigrated to Canada, so I was uh, raised in Toronto, Canada, and lived there, oh, gosh, I don't know how many years I lived there, but anyways, uh, 26 years ago, we, my husband and I moved to Scotland, to Edinburgh, where we lived for 25 years, and uh, just last May, now we have moved to Portugal to, uh, well, I'm retired, but my husband isn't, and he's working here, and we just thought, better climate uh, better standard of living uh, just better climate for my health um so i oh, my accent is canadian but some people have said told me that i've got a little bit of a scottish tang i don't think so but anyways um, my hd story so my father was diagnosed with Huntington's now 15 years ago and as with so many other families, completely out of the blue diagnosis for us as a family. Um, at the time, I thought, oh my God, this is incredible. But over my journeys over these last years, my, our story is actually more common than one would like. It's uh, shouldn't have to go through what my father went through alone in terms of his diagnosis but um he uh, it's a late onset in in our family so he passed away when he was 79 and uh, he was diagnosed very late because he had very little career if you looked at him there was really... It was all major psychiatric symptoms with him. And so he was misdiagnosed for many years. And uh, I share this with people. My father had four suicide attempts, uh, which is common also in the HD uh, families. Uh, It's very sad. And then the last one, he went to the hospital, was told he was going to, they took him to the hospital and then told my sister and I that uh, they were testing him for Huntington's. At the time, I thought, oh, because I do have a science background, I thought, this is absolutely crazy. What are they testing him for, Huntington's? And sure enough, that's uh, what he had. And that actually was a relief because it explained everything that went on for years and years that my sister and I just kept banging our heads against the wall. You know, why is he doing these things Um and then everything just fell into place with with his diagnosis. Um, it, was an, it was a hard thing to learn. And for me at the time, I decided right away that I was going to do protective testing. That's just the way I am. Uh, I say to people, I'm the kind of person that's when there's presents under the Christmas tree, I go rattling around things and trying to figure out what's inside. So um i like to know about things. i like to be prepared. I'm the same way. And um, so I went through the whole genetic testing process and I uh, found out that I inherited the gene. And that was a day in terms of felt like even though we were, I, and I went through the whole process of genetic uh, counselling, which at the time I was really irritated about because I was like, I just want to know, I just want to know, why do people keep making me come back for appointments and this and that? But now looking back, even though I was so irritated about it, it was actually the right process to do. And I actually now get angry when I hear that people don't go through those uh, those sessions with a genetic counsellor. Which I think are completely, completely uh, vital in terms of. No matter how prepared you are, it still was yeah. like a brick wall hitting a brick wall that day. Yeah, and uh, so that was fourteen years ago. I turned sixty last year, and as I said, I'm. Uh, it's in our family. It's a late onset. It didn't do anything for the first. Two years, I just parked everything, just went on with my life. And then I started thinking I should really find out more information, and I did. And I read up on it, contacted people, met a really lovely geneticist up in Aberdeen in Scotland. She actually uh, took three hours out of her day to speak to me about HD and um, and I've always said, you know, knowledge is power. That's my motto, yeah. and a lot of people also, and my husband. So we've been very open about everything with people, and um, that's I then just got involved with as much as I could. I because I I'm still. Last asymptomatic. I've not been able to be part of any clinical trials, but I have done lots and lots of studies. I I'm not yeah, just at yeah. a time. I'm not going to list all of them. Um, and I got involved with uh, committees and associations, so part of the Scottish Association Association when I was there. Um I also uh, got involved with the European Huntington Association. That changed my life in terms of my patient advocacy and the trajectory of everything that I'm involved with. And um and then initially HD which was a predecessor to HD Camp, mm-hmm. and now HDCamp and everything else that I can think of. Uh, And to continue
1: on or uh, well, so I it's such an amazing story. Um, you know, not only are you dealing with I love first off because um my my story is very similar in that you know my dad um my dad had HD, um, and I found out because my grandfather was diagnosed but I was very much of the same opinion. I'm going to test. Like there's no question in my mind, you know, and I went to a genetic counselor and they, you know, kept saying, Oh, well, this is a death sentence. You, there's no point in you testing. Um, There's nothing that you can do. There's no research you can get in and really discouraged me. And I started crying and they said, why are you crying? I said, because you're discouraging me from something that I need to do for myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and at the time, I sat there and I thought, gosh, this is terrible. How dare they do such a thing? But looking back, they were trying to prepare me a little more, you know, for those thoughts. You know, those are the things that we we are hit with all the time. Oh, it's a death sentence. Oh, this, you know, and so that she was really trying to make sure that I was sure and that I could handle it. Um, so it's very similar in that way. Um, I hate
2: I hate that phrase. It's a death sentence. Me too. It it really is. I hate it. And Uh, it's
1: something that I'm trying to change. Like I talk about it all the time that I am not dying from HD. I'm living with HD. And um, it's just got to be this change in mindset um, in the whole
2: community. Because I see it everywhere, Dina. I see it everywhere. It is something that does need to be changed in terms of, uh it's not something nice to tell to be told to, Oh, this is what you've inherited and uh yeah. and I've said to people before i happen to know what my genetic time bomb is but everybody has one
1: yep exactly. everybody
2: has something that you may not know now, but that you will have to deal with in the future. And I mean, up until last year, I thought I had dealt with enough. <laughs> and then. And that's a whole other component of your
1: story. So Dina, you were diagnosed with cancer and you've been dealing with breast cancer. And yes. that's a, a huge thing.
2: Um, there's actually, uh, studies and, uh, things out there that say people who have the HD gene, uh, have a less prevalence of cancers, but I, my luck wasn't with that. And then last year at the beginning of March, just as we were about, uh, we had just sold the house and getting everything ready to move to Portugal. I discovered that I had breast cancer. that diagnosis was actually even harder than learning that I had the HD gene. Um, Maybe because I'm still not symptomatic, but fine line in terms of symptomatic. Um, But that was just, my world was turned upside down last year completely. Um, The cancer was caught very early, which was a godsend. Um, and it was uh, but it still was a very aggressive cancer and they said to me that so I went through a lumpectomy and then had six rounds of chemotherapy and 15 rounds of radiation which I just finished last week
1: yay for finishing the radiation
2: (laughs) Um, so last year was the emotions last year were just i think i felt more emotions last year than i actually did when i had the hd diagnosis uh, last year was why 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 um do i not have enough on my plate um prior to last year two years ago in 2021 i had long COVID, so I thought that that year was the worst in terms of health because it just was very hard to deal with all those symptoms. And I just went for months and months and months without being able to do anything. And I've been the kind of person that I exercise very regularly. You know, I do yoga. I I used to do spinning. I used to do weight training. Um, So in 2021, everything had to stop. And mentally, I went downhill. Yeah, just because I couldn't see you know having a shower was all I had the capability to do so yeah, once that year was over I thought okay that's it but then last year it was like why am I being dealt these cards how do I not have enough on my plates um and I know that there you know there's other people who have Horrific stories. But I think when you're in dealing with these sort of symptom, uh, um, feelings, it's really, uh, the world's not, it's not fair. It wasn't For me, it last year was, this is not fair. Why? Mm-hmm. Why me? Why am I being dealt this again? And the chemo has just sucked the life out of me. I know some people don't have, very many symptoms but for me it's just completely drained me I couldn't do anything Um, and I'm now very slowly uh, after the chemo it's which ended November 1st I'm and the the radiation wasn't so so bad but it was 15 sessions where I had and I worry I worry a lot for the long-term effects of the radiation and you know the immediate there is no real immediate side effects other than your skin looks like it's been in a sunburn but having radiation down on your breast you know long term what's going to happen to my heart what's going to happen to my lungs maybe nothing but that's in the back of my mind
1: yeah there's still the worry yeah for sure i'm so sorry you know, that you, you are dealing with all of that. Um, It's a terrible thing to go through, but um, you have just, you are the epitome of strength and resilience. And I know, I know personally, I hate when people say that to me, but, um, but it's true. Like I see the strength in you and, and um, I mean, you're living and that's amazing that you are fighting and living, not just HD, but breast cancer survivor and, you know, you're not letting it stop you. And I, um, just think the world of you for that. Um,
2: yeah, it's, uh, I've had a very supportive, uh, media family, my kids, their partners, my husband, um, wouldn't have been able to do this without them. And, uh, I thank them every day for their supports uh, it's it was it was a struggle with him also uh, in terms of uh, at least my husband watching me being unable to help me with anything really he, yes he could cook and stuff but just didn't make it better. Dad's on, on the sofa and it's like what can I do for you? Nothing I really. There's nothing you can do for me. And um, and some days it's like don't even talk to me yeah yeah <laughs> um get that. and but I guess I am a fighter and I have to acknowledge that I am a fighter so it's um uh, the battle goes on and the cancer now just because actually I March the 20th is my date that people keep saying oh you need to celebrate and stuff but Uh, March the 20th is when I go back to the oncologist where they check for tumor markers. So I'm not celebrating until then. It's not that I'm pessimistic that they'll be finding something because I'm pretty sure that's... um, But until that day where he says, no, you don't have any tumor markers in your blood, then that's the day that I will be, okay, This, this is... But, you know, for... I have to um, be observed for five years. So every six months I have to go and do blood tests for tumor markers. So it's, that will always be in the back of my mind. Is this cancer going to resurface or some sort of other cancer? I think once you have cancer, it's always in the back of your mind. What else is going to pop up? It's, did,
1: yes. did they do... Um... Did they do genetic screening for you for the breast cancer?
2: They did, and it was negative. Thank okay. goodness! Thank goodness for that. Yeah. Uh, as I said, my family. So I have two boys who are aged thirty-one and twenty-seven. They have both decided not to test, and that's their. They've chosen. That's what they've chosen to do. Um, I, a lot of my advocacy and raising awareness and everything that I, yes. Uh, for them and others, um, I don't believe that there will be something for me just yet. Science moves very slowly, and that to me, I have a science background, so I understand all the science behind everything, and I know families are desperate to, to have a cure, which is another word which I don't like to use. I get either oh, hate that word. Hate it. Because a cure is setting the bar so high, so high that I don't think we will achieve that. We may, but all I want is for some disease-modifying treatment. If they do that, and I've used this expression before, if they can kick the onset of disease into late, late ages, then I, I think for that is a huge achievement. And that's what I'm hoping for.
1: That or give us a quality of life back, you yeah. know, even if if we're dealing with progression, but at a slower rate um, where it's giving quality of life. I would even accept that at this point, um, but I'm with you. I, I don't, I think it's setting the bar too high to, to think that we're going to have a cure um, in our lifetime. And that's okay um that we won't i i um i'm with you i think we just need a disease modifying treatment something that gives us a quality of life um back
2: so i'm
1: with you on that
2: people are stripped of their quality of life with uh, once they start being symptomatic with uh, with the disease i mean my father only lived 5 years after he was diagnosed just that's because he was well into the disease before his diagnosis, but his quality, he, my father didn't have any quality of life. And my yeah. father was on his own. Um, he had separated from my mother uh, many years before that. Uh, we always looked at my mother's health uh, above his because my mother had mental health issues too. So mm-hmm. it was always my mom. Oh, okay. This is, um, and then with my father once uh, before his diagnosis, he was on his own, and I cannot now imagine my life being on my own and having to deal with symptoms that you don't even know what's going on with you. And uh, so I, I, I feel very, very I'm sorry for what my father went through because my sister and I weren't sympathetic at the time because we thought he was just yeah. being an old man who was trying to cause problems for us and being unreasonable and uh...
1: I felt the same about my grandfather and I mean I even wrote a book about it I, about the fact that I thought he was a mean old man who was just absolutely terrible and then he received his diagnosis and it completely changed my perspective but he did not have a quality of life either because he was on his own And, uh, you know, when he got his diagnosis, he decided to move out to, uh, we lived in North Carolina. He decided to move out to Seattle, Washington, because he did not want to feel, uh, trapped by us trying to take care of him. So he moved out there and he didn't have a quality of life. He didn't because he had no one.
2: It's such a sad situation. Really? It really, when I think about it, it's really. When my father died actually was for me, it was a big relief uh, because he wasn't suffering anymore because uh, uh, my father had a lot of psychosis in those last years. And uh, that's, I think, of all the symptoms in terms of the three categories of symptoms. I think the psychiatric symptoms are, uh, are for me are the scariest to, to yeah, be yeah. Um and I think our Probably the hardest for me to to think about in terms of uh, maybe I won't. uh, Now I say I think I can cope well with movements, uh, this movement problems, cognitively, I'm already starting to decline a little bit and I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. But all the psychiatric symptoms that I saw my father go through, they scare me so much. Yeah. Um, and then with the psychosis it's like he kept complaining there were rats in his room in the care home he was in and that they were biting him and, and how do you tell somebody that no that's not you can't reason with somebody like that you can't so the nurses were very accommodating saying okay Antonio we're going to change your bed sheets today and this but i think so, that's such a difficult thing It just goes to show you, you know, what your brain is dealing with in terms of rethinking. It's
1: a lot. It's a lot. Um, Yeah. Um, Did he end up, you said he didn't have a lot of movement. Um, Did he ever end up having a lot of movement? I know my dad really did not have a lot of movement at all. No. I'm not surprised, but he did deal with the, with the um behavioral symptoms and cognitive symptoms for sure
2: Even, but last uh, really it's uh, compared to to other people that I've seen with m- the movement part and again my dad' didn't you know he shuffled a little bit at the end towards before he was diagnosed and um but that wasn't we uh, it was very hard because of his age. So we just assumed those were all symptoms. of. And I mm-hmm. still remember one time I went to Toronto and uh, he had glaucoma. So he was being seen by an ophthalmologist every year. And I was there for his appointment. And um, he went for that eye screening test where they blinked the little lights on the side of you. So it's oh, checking yeah. for peripheral uh, peripheral vision. And the technician came out and said to me, does your father have any problems? And I was uh, like, I don't know. He's <laughs> old. But that was already a telltale sign that his peripheral vision was was going. And that mm-hmm. is something that people with the eye movements and uh, the, the eye tracking is a, is a symptom. So she saw something in his exam that day, but we didn't know anything about the HD then. So we just didn't pursue it right right so exactly what do, what would you go and pursue if?
1: I mean if, if you don't know
2: if you don't know what if pursue. he was younger if he was in, in his 50s or uh, you know you'd probably think okay no we have you know what's wrong with him but he was already in his late 70s when yeah with uh, 70s so you just think this is something just else of, he's yeah, he's aging with it. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would have thought the same thing. Yeah. Wow. Well, Dina, I um, so appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Um, and is half an
2: hour up already?
1: Yes, it is. But oh. uh, we certainly don't have to stop at half an hour if you if you want to talk more. No, but, it's okay. Um, I can be
2: very chatty when I start going. So,
1: <laughs> but I I just think you're absolutely amazing. Um, and I love how you are handling life uh not just the hd but life in general you continue to fight um even being hit with everything that you have been hit with um and it sucks you're right when you're in the midst of something like that and and you're dealing with it it's not fair but the fact that you continue even knowing it's not fair is what makes you special and what makes you you and that's um so amazing so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story
2: You're very welcome, and uh, I hope that this gives some sort of encouragement to others who, I'm not even talking about the cancer, but if even anybody who's not dealing with HD is dealing with cancer, or vice versa, and uh, it is not a death sentence, there is a lot that everybody can do. It doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, proactive like I am with uh, patient advocacy, but this is my journey and what makes me um, feel like I'm in control of things, which I'm not, but anyways, makes me feel like it, but. Helps you to cope with it. Also helps me to cope. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I hope people who listen to my story uh, gain some sort of uh, encouragement.
1: I know I did. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, do you have big plans now that you know y- you're you're done with your radiation treatments? And you mentioned actually that you have some trips coming up. I'm sure that you're excited to to go on some trips.
2: Actually, these trips are to they're uh to do with HD uh so of the committees that I've been on. But the biggest thing this year is my son older son's wedding. So, yay! Yay!
1: Congrats All on this- that.
2: August the 16th in oh. Vancouver, he nice. will be getting, getting married. So that's that's our big trip this year. I'm so excited about that. And uh, I'm glad that my hair is growing back so that I don't have to have, be baldy uh, at the wedding pictures. And, uh, and the other exciting thing, which I'm so excited, it is that we're putting in the pool at our house here in Portugal. Oh, nice. So,
1: yeah. I would
2: be sitting by that like every day.
1: Especially <laughs> I don't know what the weather's like there. Is it nice and warm most of the time?
2: Uh it is. Uh very hot in the summer, but it does compare to it it's right now today, actually, but I'm not at my house. We have a rented apartment in another city. It's fifteen degrees today. But it was it was cold for here last week, but still it's warmer than in some places.
1: So. Yeah. Especially well, I don't know if you heard in, in uh, well, Canada and the U.S., they're all yes. in arctic freeze right now, um, and it's actually going to affect us in North Carolina, which we're the south. But we're going to have temperatures in the teens, which is nothing compared to what Chicago and, and the other places are dealing with, but still, the fact that it's reaching so far down is crazy.
2: I don't think they've had very uh, much of a winter this year up until now, have they? It's, I mean, Toronto usually gets the same sort of the same sort of weather, and uh, I've not really heard people complaining about up until it's Janu- January. January that's to happen at some point.
1: Well, New England uh, just
2: got hit hard with a bunch of storms, with a bunch of winter
1: storms. So, what uh, would you say, New England? New England, all of the. All of the New England area, New York, all of it got hit by some really major winter storms. Just in the last week, there's been three. So, yeah. It's bucketing
2: with rain. It's (laughs) bucketing with rain here today. I tried to take take my dogs out for a pee. I have two small dogs. One didn't even, both of them didn't want to be out and one didn't even pee. So I'm not quite sure what he's going to do here all day. Because if this is an apartment, I can't just let them out to the backyard and say, go do your business. But they just didn't want to go. I had to tuck them along. It's like, I'm pouring with rain. We're not out here. I don't want to be out here either. (laughs) It's when you buy puppy pads for the day. Well, Um... I've I've said that dogs should have litter boxes. For days like today, there Mm -hmm. should be some sort of litter box for a dog. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. Especially little dogs. It would be fine. Well, Dina, thank you again for coming on um, and sharing your story. For those listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, If you would like to be part of our HD Uncut series, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is lauren at help4hd.org. That's H-E-L-P, the number 4, HD.org. I would love to have you on. The HD Uncut series is for the community to share their thoughts uncut, uncensored, come on, whatever you wanna talk about. Um, And I love having people on and hearing their stories and really giving a voice to HD um, because we do have people in every aspect of the community, the professionals and others with HD who are listening globally. Um, And so um, this really helps us make our voices heard. Um, so I'd love to have anybody on who would like to come on. Oh, there's a puppy. Um, sorry, I got distracted because there's a puppy on my screen. Um, and please make sure that you're tuning in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern time for a new show. Uh, until next time, guys, take care and love ya. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening.